You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Afternoon. You're listening to Praxis here on KYRS Thinner Community Radio. I am your host Taylor, and today um, I'm doing an election special. You probably got that ballot in the mail this week, and maybe you haven't filled it out yet. Uh, I'm going to be here with a couple of guests to uh, help you out in the way that I can. Um, Sandy, can you hear me out there? I sure can. Well, thank you for coming back on the show with me and making time. Um, this is Sandy Williams, who you know. Uh, if you're a longtime KYRS listener, you know for many reasons, but um, she's the editor of the Black Lens News and the founder, and I thought a great person to talk about the local elections with. Sure, I'd love to talk about the local elections. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, where do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, just um, what your role is now, and I guess sure. why you care about the local elections? Oh, why do I care about the local elections? Um, so, I am the... Um, founder and editor of the Black Lens newspaper, um, which is Spokane's African-American-focused newspaper uh, that I've been publishing almost five years. I'll be celebrating five years in January. So, hooray. Yay. Um, so, and then I also, um, an outgrowth of the Black Lens was the establishment of the Carl Maxey Center, which is an African-American-focused cultural center that we are in the process of of uh, creating, I guess you would say. We purchased the building last year, and we're in the process of remodeling the building. And so the center, you know, knock on wood, is going to be um, up and running um, within the next year or so. Um, but both of those things, I think, are and were a catalyst for me, in particular the newspaper, because I've been covering a lot of the stuff that's been happening in the community and um, frustrated, quite frankly, with a lot of it. Um, a lot of our policies, a lot of our um, just sort of um, overlooking what I think are some important issues. And um, you have some good people in the system now who are trying really hard to do some good things. And, you know, typically when that happens, there's sort of a backlash Mm -hmm. against that by people who don't want to give up power. Um, So that's what I see happening. Um, and in conjunction with that, I see uh, an incredible amount of apathy in the community. <clears throat> and so, you know, I would think it is a no-brainer um, that people are going to step up and speak up and do something about this upcoming election. But I've seen quite the opposite um, instead. And so that's fairly frustrating because um, I feel like we're at an important crossroads right now in terms of the direction that we want Spokane to go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why this election is important to me. Yeah, yeah, no big deal, right? The stakes are <laughs> the stakes are really high, as you said, yeah. and that's what I've been trying to do in having conversations with just people in my life. It's like, yeah. okay, so you don't think you care about this election, but do yeah. you care about how much your rent is? Do you care exactly. about um, 
you know, people having access to basic services because all of those are kind of up in the air. So Exactly. Yeah. So last week I played um, the audio again from the first, the Spokane Homeless Coalition's Homelessness Forum mm-hmm. um, with the two mayoral candidates, Ben Stockert mm-hmm. and Nadine Woodward, and the two yeah. council pres candidates, Brian Beggs and Cindy Wendell. So hopefully folks listened to that last week. And if they didn't, they can access it. Um, homelessness has been like the big issue that I think has got a lot of coverage. But I guess with either of those races, what what else do you think are important differences between? Um, well, if, well, I do encourage people to listen to that, the audio of that debate, because I was there. It was fairly painful to listen to. Um, you know, I have spent many, many years critiquing Spokane. Um, I think that's what you do um, in a democracy because you want the community to be better and you want to challenge it to be better. And so, so I've done my fair share of that. But that was um, that was two people, and I, you know, um, Nadine Woodward and Cindy Wendell, two people who claim to care very much about this um, community that really um, um, disparaged and demeaned and, um, and, and put this community down in a way um, from, a, from a perspective of people who I have not seen in the time that I've been doing the work, and I've been around a lot, and um, haven't seen um, effort put in to, um, to address the issues that are being brought up. So it was really this sort of um, um, guy felt a bit elitist um, looking down on um, people who have worked their behinds off trying to address some of the issues that are taking place in this community and offering zero in the way of uh, solutions or, um, or any historical um, experience of doing anything except criticize. So that's what I saw. Um, and so I would really encourage people, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it, because that's really important. And I think you get a flavor of who these candidates are. Um, but in addition to that, the Black Lens um, does every year an election issue. Um, and I do, I've been doing that because uh, typically issues that are important to people of color, particularly the African-American community, get left out of the, the major conversations like those Issues don't tend to be mainstream issues. And so I wanted there to be a place where somebody talked about race, um, which is what I talk about. Um, what's, your, what's your background working with the black community in particular? Because um, mm-hmm. that's the, the target of the newspaper. Um, what experience do you have? You know, what do you know about racial disparities? Um, how would you address them? How would you apply equity lens to the work that you're doing? That kind of stuff. Um, and the answers from both Nadine uh, Woodward and uh, Cindy Wendell demonstrated to me a lack of understanding, a lack of experience, um, and just sort of this um, um, technique is what I would call it, of just sort of casting this wide net. Mm-hmm. We support everybody. You know, mm-hmm. we're open for everybody. You know, we're just going to be there for everybody so that you don't actually have to address the issues or know anything else about them at all. Sure. That's um, what I heard at the 
Coalition of Color Forum from yeah. from Woodward. I mean, and obviously these are four white candidates for these two positions for folks mm-hmm. who don't know. And, but I think there's a difference in, in understanding, like you said, because if it's like, well, let's just treat everyone equally. Yeah. And also say that as a person who doesn't believe racism exists or even that race exists. Yeah. That's... And, 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 and not demonstrating that you have done any kind of work to develop any understanding Mm-hmm. about the issues. So, you know, I'm open for folks needing to learn, you know, because if you've grown up privileged and all of that, I get that. But I I see um, any demonstrated effort of trying to actually learn about issues and hanging out at unity in the community, I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it for me mm-hmm. in terms of working with folks. But I didn't see that. Nor did I see really a desire for it or or that there was any recognition that there's a need to do anything and i think for me that's the part that's even scarier is that it's it sort of harkens back to the old days 60s you know 70 kind of mentality where there's nothing that we need to do it's really just all you people who are just sort of raising a fuss Mm -hmm. about this and if y'all would just sort of come on over here to our way of doing things, then everything would be fine. And it just sort of harkened back to that mentality. Mm. Um, when we've done so much work in Spokane, uh, so many people have done so much work to move us in the direction of this thing, the 21st century, in terms of our mentality and our thinking. And, and so it, it's, it's, um, it's concerning to me that, that, that we might pivot and go backwards. Mm-hmm. on all of that work that so many people have done, uh, which which was starting to make any of us hopeful uh, that this was actually going to start being a place that recognized what its history has been. So this is a community that has a history of racial exclusion. Um, and, and, I mean, we have this whole thing around racial covenants, which is something that you know, Spokane didn't talk about for a long time, but, there's, but it was embedded into the the fabric of this community. And so we were starting to have those conversations that part of the reason that there's so many disparities in Spokane is because it was baked into the, the fabric of this community when it, when it was founded. And so now we're sort of at the precipice of being able to have people who are running for office who get it, who actually get it, and who are actually committed to doing something about it. And, and, and all of a sudden you have these factions rising up to, to try to stop that in its tracks. And that's really concerning to me mm-hmm. and why this election, I think, is so critical. Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, I think we could talk about just those two races for probably multiple mm-hmm. hours. And yeah. if you want to do that when you get back in town, that'd be fun. <laughs> just on a, <laughs> but, um, but I'm really curious, too, because I haven't been able to focus at all on the show on the council races. Um, yeah, the city council races and yeah. District One uh, is a is a sad scenario. I think I'm allowed to say that via the FCC. Um, both candidates are challenging. Um, I don't know if you want to just start with District One. And um, I just love to hear your take on. Yeah, I just I, you know I think I think down I think the bottom line on all of them is uh, there's a clear choice. There's really a clear choice. Now, District 1 is, is, is more difficult, uh, but I still think there's a choice there, too. Uh, and and um, um, the frustrating thing is that I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> you know, I don't mm-hmm. think it's that hard mm-hmm. to figure out what the choice is. If, if you're a 
progressive voter, if you if you um, have progressive ideals, um, I don't think it's that challenging. Now, District 1 uh, may be frustrating to some people. I get that. But there's also, a, I think, a clear choice there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one candidate is more knowledgeable, um, conservative policy-wise, I believe. And I don't have a problem with people being conservative policy-wise. But if they're, but if they're actually um, proposing solutions, I may disagree with those solutions, but if they're actually proposing solutions and they're, they seem engaged in actually doing some work, then I can deal with that. Hmm. You, could, you can educate folks. You can educate folks who want to be educated. You can't educate folks that don't think there's anything for them to learn. And yeah. what I'm concerned about is that there, there are so many candidates running in this election, not just in Spokane, but in the Valley, too, Lord, um, that, that just are coming from this place of we don't have anything that we need to learn. We don't have anything that we need to know outside of what we already know. Um, that's a big problem. That's a big problem for me, and that's what I want us to focus on. Um, I've, I, you know, I've spent, I, this is, you know, I sort of have changed my tune in the last few years where I used to do so much um, educating of people. And, you know, I've gotten to a place where it's 2019, and I feel like candidates should have a certain level of knowledge of things uh, get at the gate. Mm-hmm. Like coming out of the gate, starting gate. Um, I just feel like there's. I just feel like we should require that of candidates, whether we agree with their ideology or not. They should at least have a basic level of understanding of you know what are what are the policies and procedures that are impacting homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know what what are the what are the the challenges around racial disparities. You know in this. And, and I'm talking specifically about Spokane and this community mm-hmm. as it relates to criminal justice and education and, you know, the legal system and the health system. And I mean, every indicator there is, you know, and that, and, and, and what is, what are some of the reason that, reasons that that's happening besides that you think black people aren't working hard enough? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you should have that basic level of knowledge. And so even in district, the district one race, while I may disagree Policy-wise, um, it, there was a clear delineation between the two candidates in terms of my, my belief that, that one of them, and I'm going to say Cathcart, one of them had more knowledge than the other one sure. on what I feel are basic issues. So where I come with that one is I can work with that. Hmm. I can work with that. What I can't work with is, is um, willful ignorance. And um, and a and a sort of being proud of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like edu- It's like being it's like education is a dirty word, and experience is a dirty word. You know, I can't I can't do anything with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. It does, and it challenges the way I've been thinking about that race. Um, mm-hmm. Because because in some ways I see the less experienced person as as. Um, Maybe they'll just be a, a a minority on the council in the way that the that Mike Fagan, who they might be replacing, was, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and not have the the, the skills to um, create inroads with more maybe like moderately conservative ideas. Mm. 
But um, I don't see. I'm not opposed to conservative ideals. I've never. I'm not opposed to that. What I'm opposed to is 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 dragging Spokane back into the '60s. Yes, is what I talked about in my the column that I wrote in the Black Lens this month. You know, back when um, the Spokane House would let black folks serve people as employees, but wouldn't let them be members. It's like I'm opposed to that mentality. Yes, you know. But just because we have a difference of opinion in terms of, you know, you know, and I hearken myself to be a huge progressive, progressive versus, you know, conservative ideology. Most people who truly are, um, you know, where that ideology sort of comes out of a, a, a love for the community, you can find common ground with that. Mm-hmm. So that, so I don't have a problem with that, um, and I, I never have. Um, and 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 even in, within the the black community, you know, there's a there's a range of folks. It's like mm-hmm. not all black folks are progressive people or liberals. There are, there's a there's a, a huge number of conservatives as well. So so it's it runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. And I think the underlying thing, the thing that brings us all together, is is that we believe in humanity and. We may have differences of opinion in how you support that humanity and how you, you know, how you uplift that humanity. We may differ in the best way to do that, but underneath we believe that. So if somebody starts from that place, I can work with that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I yeah, I hear you. I I like that. Um, gonna have to re <laughs> reassess <laughs> my thought on that one. That's but what um. I do. Yeah, I know. That's why I had you on. (laughs) Like, this is the perfect person. Um, If you're just joining us, you're listening to KYRS. You're listening to Praxis. I'm talking with Sandy Williams, editor-in-chief of the Black Lens News, which you can find at blacklensnews.org. Is that right? Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. I knew it was blacklensnews.com. I'll post a link. And people can read that election issue online, right? Even if they aren't subscribers. There's a PDF on it. If they go to the website, I have the PDF posted right on the homepage. You can read it. Um, I have both mayoral candidates. I have both city council candidates. All the city city council president candidates. All the council candidates are running as well as... uh, the other races that are really important are the school board mm-hmm. um, candidates. And I have those candidates in there. Three of the school board candidates that are running for office are open to the concept of arming um, um, school employees or having some sort of a contract with the police department to have armed folks in the school. So that's a big deal for people of color to mm-hmm. have, you know, um, potentially to have armed personnel on a, on a school campus in a school system that's already disproportionately um, um, spending and disciplining kids of color and uh, arresting, I would say, also disproportionately arresting kids of color. So that's a big deal. So those are big races, too, which you're almost hearing nothing about. Mm-hmm. There's a stark contract be- or contrast between the candidates in all three of those races as well. It's really not hard. <laughs> this one's fairly simple to figure out who's who. Sure. So, and I'm assuming people can do that by reading 
your takes on those. But just yeah. for those listening, school board races are um, Nikki Lockwood versus Katie Trelor in in position one, uh, Kelly McFarland versus Jenny Slagle, and Aaron Georgian versus Kevin Morrison. And I believe and also... Let me say, Nikki, Jenny, and Aaron are the ones that are against um, having armed school personnel. So let me just put that out Okay. There. And they also, both. all three of them, I believe, have the endorsement of the... There's a big coalition for gun safety. I don't remember yes. what it is called. Yes. But I know yes. that they all three share that endorsement as well. That's correct. And that's obviously a, an issue that's on every every parent and student's minds, but as you said, yeah. particularly students and parents of color. Um, exactly. Because, because the issue is safety in the school. That's true. Um, and there is a difference of opinion how you keep our kids safe, and I think that's the bottom line discussion that's being had that um, um, some people, me included, do not necessarily believe that arming um, per- school personnel is the best way to keep our kids safe. And so that's, and that's in a really important discussion. Um, and I just want to back up a second because you said my take on stuff. So I don't have a take. I mean, I'm, I'm saying my take here on the radio show because mm-hmm. um, this is Sandy talking. Yes. But in terms of the newspaper, I don't have a take at all. What I do is ask questions and I print in the paper verbatim their answers. I don't edit. I don't editorialize. I don't say anything about it at all. All I do is ask the questions and I let them answer. So that's why I say it's really not that hard. All you got to do is read it and they answer the questions themselves. So I think that's really important for me. It's like I want people to read stuff and make up their mind. I think that's we want if we want a democracy, that's what democracy is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for making that uh clarification too cuz I assume that because I have to study all these FCC rules that everyone else does too and listeners yeah. might not know that um mm-hmm. You as a journalist are different than you as a person. So, um, yeah. And then did you also in that issue and do you want to chat briefly about um, I'm having in the second half, I'm having um, the campaign manager of I-1000, which is the oh, statewide yay. initiative supporting oh, cool. affirmative action. I, I think that. so. If you can find a radio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and I'll post it online tonight. But um, we'll yeah. be talking about that one. But do you Great. have um, looking at the other ones we have in the city? If you're a city voter are Prop 1, which is around opening uh, union negotiations to the public. Um, we have Prop 2, which is basically a preemptive ban on an income tax. But it also includes local B&O tax and capital gains tax. And we have I-976, which is statewide, which is uh, looking at restructuring the car tab fees. It's a gift from our recurrent um, participant in our elections, Tim Iman. Tim Iman, yeah. So I don't know if you um, have I have any. to say, yeah, I have to say I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I don't live in the city. Um, so um, even though I'm staunchly speaking out on the mayoral election and the um, city council elections, I don't get to vote on them. So I'm really bummed about that because I really, really want to vote on those. Uh, so I don't know um, much about Prop 1 and Prop 2 because I don't get to vote on it. So I can't speak to that. 976, of course, is another Tim Iman thing. Um, and so I think the, 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 from across the state, the voices have been very loud in terms of the damage that Tim Iman's stuff has been doing to this state and continues to do. So anytime Tim Iman's name is attached to something, 
that's a red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so 976 is a 10 minus. And and so that sort of leads into I-1000, too, because the reason there's even an I-1000 is because of Tim Iman's I-200, which um, went on the ballot in uh, the late 1900s. I'm I'm sorry, 1990s. Which I guess is technically late 1900s also. Late late 1900s, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The late 1990s it was. and so, and and really, a really deceptive initiative because he's doing the same thing. He did the same thing then as he's doing now, which is, you know, couching it in fairness and, you know, let's end discrimination and that kind of stuff. And, and so people believed that back then. They believed because people wanted something to be fair. People didn't want to support something that was discriminatory. And so, so, they, so they put um, I-200 in place and what I-200 in effect did was it banned affirmative action. And so we became one of eight states in the whole country that doesn't allow affirmative action considerations on things like employment and um, school and contracting and that kind of stuff. So this thing that was supposed to be fair, which is what Tim Iman said, what it did was decimate of color in terms of contracting. So contracting numbers where we were at 10%, we meaning people of color, we're at 10% of the contracts pre-I-200 dropped down to 3% or less. Uh, and I would argue that a, that a majority of those are, pr- are probably uh, women-owned. Um, hmm. But the number, so it, so it dropped from 10% down to 3% or less in terms of just in terms of contracting, which is billions of dollars that were taken out of our pockets and our, our households in the name of something that was supposed to be fair and was supposed to level the playing field. So it's, it was disingenuous, I think, I believe, intentionally so, and that's the same thing that's happening again, where if you look at the advertising that's going around, it's, mm-hmm. it's, they're saying stop illegal discrimination is mm-hmm. how they're billing um, yeah. this. The, the ones I saw, I was just on the West Side this weekend, and it said keep discrimination illegal. Exactly, exactly, and so it's a double speak, you know. And I call it the okie doke. That's what I've been um, in the black community. We call it the okie doke, where you take something and you twist it around to get the desired result, and you play on people's feelings. Of course, people don't want um, discrimination. Of course, they don't. So folks are really confused. They're trying to support, you know, overwhelmingly. I've been hearing people saying that what they're trying to do is support leveling the playing field and making sure that opportunities are fair and, and even-handed. And they think that that's what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they can't figure out which way to vote to support that. So it's really disingenuous. And so I'm, I'm happy that you're on the air talking about it because I'm doing the same thing um, personally. I'm putting stuff on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I'm writing history, a little history piece that I'm going to send out to everybody that I know and sending out texts and all that kind of stuff. Just trying to help people understand um, because it's confusing. But um, the bottom line is approve I one thousand referendum eighty eight, and I'll let I'll let the campaign manager give the history. Of <laughs> you did that, a perfect transition though for that's it. it. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for your time, and um, I'll post links to your election edition of Black Lens News. Great. And yeah, send me anything else if you want me to share has too. Who I support or whatever on a personal tip, I'm willing to do that. The new 
newspaper doesn't endorse, but uh, as a person, a human being, I have all kinds of opinions, which I'm happy to share. Good. We're glad you do. <laughs> all right. Well, have a great day, and uh, thanks again for joining me. Thanks. Take care. All right. Bye. Um, if you're just joining us at the end of that chat, that was Sandy Williams. She's the editor and founder of Black Lens News here in Spokane. Um, I'm going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by the campaign manager of that campaign. She was talking about I-1000, also listed on your ballot as referendum 88 statewide. Um, I'm going to take a quick break while I make that switch over on the phone. If you missed any part of that interview and you want to catch it, you can find it on the podcast later tonight, which um, by searching Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, on any podcasting app that you might use. You can also go directly to kyrs.org slash show slash Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S.